Greetings, ladies and mental gents, and welcome to this bonus, Tales from Outer Space. I decided to post this video as a thank you for a tip I received from a very generous viewer that I received last night. There will still be the normal Tales from Space that we released later today. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And thank you again for the tip. Any and all support for the channel, whether it be monetary or otherwise, is very much appreciated. Enjoy. Story number one. The finest meal that you'll ever have. Written by Telekinetic Guitar. As the turn of the 22nd century, many of Earth's colonies revolted. Within days, enemies of the Earth's mighty empire declared war, hoping to take advantage of the chaos. Forced to fight battles on all fronts, we had been dragged into the center of the Third Galactic War. After nearly three decades of bloodshed and meaningless carnage, Earth and her allies emerged on top. In the aftermath, countless planets lay destroyed and people all around the universe prayed for peace and prosperity. All the involved parties ceased fire and finally, soldiers could return to their homes. Like many others, General Rayleigh wanted to put all of what happened behind him. He had led many of Earth's troops to countless victories and now longed for a peacefully settled down to discover his place in the new world. For his service to the Empire, the President awarded him with a hefty pension and a manor on a planet Leos, the birthplace of his late mother. He had spent his last twenty years fighting. War was all he knew and all he was good at. To somebody who'd been in battle his entire life, the normal world seemed foreign and empty. Rayleigh, however, was not a man to live life without purpose. He planned to spend his first month introspecting and thinking about how he wanted his new life to shape out. Leos consisted of many fertile and uncultivated lands. He could spend his money and buy land near his house or become a farmer. Else, he could use it to buy a spaceship and spend his remaining years exploring the galaxies. The possibilities were endless, and soon Rayleigh was overwhelmed with choices. One day, an unusual guest came to visit him. She was an old woman who traveled halfway across the galaxy to speak to him. By the time she left his house, Rayleigh had once again found purpose in his life. Ellis had been Rayleigh's closest friend in the war, they originally met each other as recruits in the training camp, and later they had been assigned to the same battalion. For eight long years they fought countless battles side by side. On one of their missions they had been stranded on an inhospitable planet. After roaming the land for many days, they finally came across a crashed and abandoned spaceship. Alice confirmed that he could fix the radio, and by help would be arriving the next day. That night, as they waited for rescue, they ate the first meal in days. It was a rotten apple that they'd found in the cockpit. It tasted bitter, and the two quickly divided it amongst themselves and devoured it within seconds. Later that night, they talked about what all they would do once the war was over. It had become a tradition for them to do so after every mission. It was one of the few things that kept them going. This time, they talked about opening their own restaurant. They would offer customers the finest meal they'll ever have. Both knew, however, that the end of the war was nowhere in sight. They had even begun to lose hope of ever seeing the planets coexist peacefully in harmony. Less than a year later, Ellis was gravely injured in combat. He succumbed to his injuries before a medic could get to him. Following that day, Rayleigh started having a regular occurrence of nightmares. 
Rady's unexpected visitor was Ellis's mother. Having lost her only son, she had waited thirteen years for the war to end. When it did, she left to seek out Ellis's dearest friend and learn about her son's final moments. The two talked for hours, telling each other stories of the man who had meant so much to them. In the midst of their conversation, Ellis's mother talked about a lifelong dream to open up a restaurant. Rayleigh was taken aback when he heard this. He was reminded about the time that they talked about it during so together. He never really realized that his friend genuinely held such a dream. The moment he found out, Rayleigh made up his mind. He would honor his best friend's memory by accomplishing his lifelong dream. He would open up a restaurant and figure out a way to offer the customers the finest meal of their lives. Rayleigh was a smart man. He had ranked first in the military when it came to mental proficiency and was one of the youngest generals in the quadrant's history. His strategies and tactics had tipped the tide of the side's favor on many occasions. He realized that although he was no longer a soldier fighting a war, the mindset and strategies he had developed in wartime would be of use in the business world. Acknowledging that this, his knowledge regarding the dining industry was scarce and lacking, he made a decision to spend the next five years studying the history, science, and psychology of food. He traveled to Earth in an attempt to study the galaxy-renowned cuisines. By his second year, he learned Italian, Indian, Thai, Chinese, Mexican, and every other cuisine that he'd ever read or seen. At each step, his main focus lay on thinking about how he could use this new knowledge to craft the finest meal a customer could have. He held the belief that a successful business was driven by innovation, which came from the technology and research. By the end of the fifth year, Rayleigh had a clear vision of what his restaurant would be and how it would operate. He spent the next three years documenting and refining his plan. By this time, his friends from the war had reached high positions. He proceeded to schedule meetings with investors he'd served with. They invited him to pitch this idea in front of everyone. Within the span of 20 minutes, everyone in the room was floored by Rayleigh's idea and a huge number of venture capitalists agreed to pour in a huge amount of money for the project. As the year went by, suspense and mystery regarding the restaurant continued to build up. Eleven years after he'd first decided to honor his dearest friend's legacy, Rainey finally declared Ellis's and Rainey open. The tagline read, The finest meal of your life. He had carefully selected and invited various food critics and journalists who were now lined up outside. Sharp at twelve, the doors opened and the very first wave of customers. Standing on top of the tallest tower in the city, the view from Ellis and Rainey was as impeccable as its interior as it was impressive. Rainey stood proud in the center, waiting for everyone to head to their assigned seats. None of the tables had any menus or cutleries. Instead, in front of each person there lay a sleek rectangular slab of glass, a transparent with a light shade of blue. Many brought up his resemblance to a smartphone. When everyone had finally been seated, Rainey spoke. Thank you all for coming. Initially, the plan was to start the huge ceremony. However, we've collectively decided that it would be the best if instead we cut right down to the chase and begin the demonstration. I request of all of you to pick up the rectangular slab you see in your table. Puzzled, everyone did as he asked. Now hold it in front and place your tongue on it, as if you're licking it. The entire restaurant erupted in laughter. General Rady had to be joking. He couldn't possibly be serious. They spoke amongst themselves. Rayleigh joined in with a friendly laugh. After everyone calmed down, he proceeded to demonstrate, holding up one of the slabs that had been keeping in his pocket. 
He proceeded to open his mouth and place it on his tongue. After a few seconds, the device beeped and turned the light shade green. On the slab, there was now a digital timer. It had been set to nine minutes and instantly started counting downwards. Curious, everybody around the room proceeded to imitate what Rady had done. Slowly, slabs around the room turned green, then multiple counters started. Some started for as few as five minutes, and others were even as long as twenty-five. This time, when Rady spoke, all eyes were on him. When the timer ends, it means that your meal has been prepared. One of our waiters will bring the dish to you. Your dish will initially be covered with a lid. We request that you all not open the lid until everybody else's had been served. Everyone waited. When the final dish was served, Rayleigh finally asked them to open up the lids and have a look at their food. The entire room gave a collective gasp. Each plate then lay a different dish. Some people had been served pizza, others had been gotten noodles and rice. Countless dishes spanning a huge variety of cuisine could be found in the room. Even people who were served the same dish noticed huge variations in ingredients and flavors. Few of the meals were even accompanied by a custom-made dessert or drink. Using the -the state-of-the-art technology, our research team has devised a way to analyze your taste buds and monitor the interactions with your brain. Using this rectangular device, we determine the dish that is most likely you prefer. Once determined, our team of versatile chefs begin making your favorite dish, ensuring that it is cooked and made in the manner that you'd enjoy the most. The demonstration left the crowd wild. Most of the attendees were still shocked from having seen their personal favorite dishes suddenly appear in front of them. Business analysts unanimously predicted that the new restaurant would be revolutionizing the entire food industry and go on to become immensely profitable and successful. They turned out to be right. When the first word of Edison Rainey got out, residents from all over the galaxy rushed to experience the finest meal they'd ever have. Within weeks of the opening, the restaurant became one of the hottest places to dine in the galaxy. Within a year, reservations were required to be made in weeks, if not months in advance. After a hugely successful IPO, Rayleigh began to work to set up branches throughout the universe. By the time he turned 90, Edison Rayleigh had turned into one of the most profitable organizations of the century. Rayleigh retired soon after, passing on his responsibility and leaving the company in the hands of the trusted board of directors. A few years later, he was invited as a guest of honor to one of the company's press conferences. The research department had been working very hard, and it was finally time to announce their latest invention. The new restaurant would now do more than just analyze taste buds to create meals. It would also factor in the customer's DNA and brain activity. This would allow the company to factor the dietary restrictions for certain meals and even recreate items from the customer's memory. The crowd cheered as General Rady walked to the stage, soon to become the first person to try out Edison and Rady's revamped technology. As he had many years ago, Rayleigh picked up the slab and placed his tongue on it. He then proceeded to let the device scan his brain and collect a sample of his DNA. When he was done, the timer displayed waiting time of just three minutes. As soon, his food arrived and Rayleigh lifted the lid for everyone to see. On the plate lay nothing but a crudely cut piece of rotten apple. Everybody in the crowd looked puzzled. A voice shouted from the back of the crowd. Does it not work? it asked. Quite the contrary, Rayleigh replied, wiping of a tear that had just formed in his eye. He proceeded to eat, truly the finest meal he would ever have in his life. End of story number one. Story number two.
I'm not a human, written by Techie Dad. I am not a human, I'm just a Jothra like you, born to Jothrai parents in the Corosal system. There we lived amongst the asteroids, mining and selling our finds to the planet-bound Karasvidi. It wasn't a glamorous life, but it was a home. We lived, we sang, we ate. Then the Togli came with their warships and bioweapons. My parents and the other Jothri hid amongst the asteroids, and though many were found, a few, including my family, were never found. The Karasvili were not so lucky. The Turgli invaded Karasvil and committed many atrocities. Yes, atrocities. This is a new word in the galactic language introduced to us by the earthly. The earthly have the idea of all sentience being the inherent rights, which are commonly referred to as human rights, amongst those species who have learned from them. The anatrocity is in actions of such magnitude and evil that these human rights are violated. The Garishvili were being systematically massacred, and the Turgli had been done elsewhere. Extinction of their entire race was looming. They were desperate and sent out help requests to anyone that they could reach, even though they did not expect any assistance to arrive. Our fellow Jothri on the Jothra system wouldn't send anyone to rescue us, let alone the Karishvili. Other species would also not see the value in sending assistance to a planet that would soon be wiped out, and potentially making enemies of the powerful Turkli. But the humani came, but that, I mean the earthly, and all of the friends that they had. This is another new word, also introduced by the earthly. Friends are allies with whom a permanent bond has been made, based on mutual respect and admiration. Humani used to refer to this as earthly, now it refers to earthly and all of the friends that they have made. As I was saying, the humani came. They came with their warships and their terrible weapons, and they stopped the invasion of the Turgli. But instead of killing them all, was captured and gathered together in prisons. Then, when the humani saw the atrocities that had been committed against the Kurishvili, they put the Turgli in a trial for the war crimes. Another new term. The idea of some actions would never be allowed, not even in times of war. Togli, found guilty of war crimes, were executed swiftly, with a minimum of pain and suffering. The rest were placed in barges and returned home. The home system of the Turk was notified that they would not be invaded or forced to pay retribution, and a request was made to exchange diplomatic parties. This was so shocked at the Turkly that they accepted the terms. The Humani then brought even more ships and did everything they could for the Kirishwidi. Doctors, rebuilding projects, education. When my father was desperate enough, he contacted the Humini as well, and he was given food, water, and air for our whole family. Other survivors from the asteroids were also treated kindly and given assistance as requested. So no, I am not a human, but I wish to be. I am trying to live my life the way that they might respect and admire me the way I respect and admire them. I hope that when I finally get a chance to meet an earthly face-to-face, we might be friends. And someday, I hope my future children will be considered humani. So grab your weapons from the rack and mount up. My fellow Jothrai, the Denali, are under attack from the Bayanbi, and we're going to their aid. We may fight, we may slaughter, we may even die. But the Denali lead us. Let us go make some friends. End of story number two.
And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the author from the link down below. Otherwise, if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so, like liking, subscribing, and possibly even becoming a patron. Otherwise, the easiest way would be to share. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good one, and I'll see you then. Cheers.